بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and a very warm welcome to this week's edition of the program Revival in Motion and it is a program where we go back to the basics and look at ways in which we can implement what it is that we've learned or reminders and refreshers for all of us. And today's reminder is on the importance of physical well-being for Muslims. And we'll be discussing that, hearing more rather from our guest on today's program, inshallah, on what is it that we can do to ensure that our physical well-being is being seen through. Subhanallah, in the midst of everything that we go through, I think many of us get so busy with... Um, with our lives, with deadlines, and that we forget or we neglect the importance of physical well-being. On our program today, later on, inshallah, we'll be hearing from a martial arts teacher. In fact, he's been in, in this field as a teacher for about 25 years. We'll be hearing from Salim Badat on this topic. Uh, you know, discipline is something that's of utmost importance. And when it comes to Islam, it's something that's emphasized. Discipline in our time management, discipline in our lives. Everything that we are taught in Islam goes back to the concept of discipline. And today we're going to look at this and understand more about the importance of that physical well-being for us through the art of a discipline, inshallah. Now before we get into that in today's program, our first segment is a deep dive into a hadith and the topic is leaving what is of no concern to one. Again, it's a topic that many of us know about, but it's one that we either overlook, it's one that we neglect, or one that we choose not to um, implement uh, for various reasons of our own. And that itself is something that should be a grave reminder that the sunlight is there for us to learn, it's there for us to learn how to implement a lifestyle that is that is fulfilling a lifestyle that is rewarding by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a lifestyle that is the absolute best of lifestyles. There is no lifestyle better than that of the sunnah, subhanallah. On the authority of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu who said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, part of the perfection of a person's Islam is his leaving that which is of no concern to him. This hadith by An-Nawawi is stated as being a Hassan grade hadith and it is also recorded by At-Tirmidhi. So let us look further into this and understand this. Now Imam Ibn Abi Zayd al-Qayrawani al-Maliki stated that four hadiths are a foundation for manners, etiquette and behavior in Islam. Number one, whoever believes in Allah and the last day should speak well or remain silent. And then the second hadith which begins part of the perfection, we've covered that in the past. The third of which is do not get angry. And the fourth of which is a bidilimfer loves for his brother what he loves for himself. So let's look into exploring this part of the meaning of perfecting one's Islam. Rasulullah stated, if one of you makes his faith excellent, he will be recorded for every good deed tenfold to seven hundredfold. And for every evil deed he does, he will have recorded one similar to it 
until he meets Allah. Sahih Muslim. So, so the increase upon the tenfold depends on our perfection and completion of faith, which directly relates to the purity of our intention. Then when it comes to the perfection of our Islam and reversion, if a servant accepts Islam and completes his faith, Allah will record for him every good deed that he performed before his Islam and Allah will erase for him every evil deed that he did before his Islam. Then everything after that will be according to a retribution. For every good deed he will be recorded tenfold up to seven hundredfold. And for every evil deed he will be recorded similar one, similarly one for it unless Allah overlooks that for him. An-Nasai. Therefore, a person will be rewarded for his previous good deeds and his bad deeds before becoming a Muslim will be wiped out, provided one perfects and completes one's Islam, which means remaining, staying away from the evil deeds after becoming Muslim. Ibn Rajab stated that if a person continues to perform such evil acts in Islam, his previous acts will not be overlooked. Wallahu a'lam. And what does it mean, the meaning of his leaving that which is of no concern to him? And that's our focus today. What is of no concern is determined by the Sharia and not our own interests. Those are matters that are of no benefit either in this life or the Akhirah. Now, this hadith cannot be used as an excuse not to advise people or to enjoin good and forbid evil. What is of no concern? Forbidden acts, doubtful matters, disliked acts, and overindulgence in the permissible matters of which one is not in need. So performing forbidden acts is of no concern, but eradicating them is of course of concern to believers. And then speech. Speech is emphasized the most by scholars who commented on this hadith as it is hard to constrain our tongue only to the matters that are of concern and beneficial. And now we stated that a person must only speak something that is beneficial. If the speech is equal in its merits or harm, then it is best to refrain from saying it. Otherwise, permissible speech may lead to forbidden or disliked speech. However, if one is silent, it does not lead to any harm whatsoever. Then the next point, doing what is not one's concern leads to wasting time. How often we say, oh, I don't have enough time to do this or do that. But yet, how much of time are we wasting by concerning ourselves with things that do not honestly concern us? May Allah guide us, beginning with myself first and foremost. Ibn al-Arabi al-Maliki questioned, why should one get into the unnecessary, extra matters if one is not able to fulfill all the matters necessary to himself? So we often focus on other people and what they're doing and what they're not doing. And yet we don't focus and look into our own lives. There are a lot of beneficial things that we can do for our Akhirah, which are of real concern, and remain away from gossiping, obtaining useless information, binge-watching telly, debating on trivial points, etc. 
This is a sign that our Islam is not complete or perfect, and it is a sign of our poor understanding of Islam. Al-Hassan al-Basri said, A sign that Allah has turned away from a servant is that he makes him busy with matters that are of no concern to him. A true believer is heads and shoulders above the petty, useless activities that so many people get involved with in this world. Many societal problems arise from people meddling into the affairs of others. In this one short sentence, Rasulullah recommends a way to avoid all these kind of problems. If we have perfected our Iman, and if we've reached the level of Ihsan, we will spend all of our time in doing things that we know Allah is pleased with. And this is alluded to in the Hadith by the mention of perfecting our Islam. It's not easy to avoid what is not our concern. So it is only true, sincere believers who are capable of this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make me and you and us all of the true, sincere believers. Ameen. And so it is that a believer must realize that he or she has been given this life for an important purpose the ultimate purpose, and that is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remembering that we will stand before Allah will help us realize that none of our engine energies should be wasted on useless and wrong purposes. In Surah 23, Ayah 115, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, did you think that we had created you in play without any purpose and that you would not be brought back to us? Surah 23, Ayah 115. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those who recognize and who realize the beauty of Islam and the purpose and the mission with which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not make us of those who are mindless and heedless of the creation. Allahumma ameen. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those who turn to Allah and who strive in this path. Ameen. We find ourselves here at the beginning of a new school and madrasa and work here for many of us. And so the reminder today to conclude the segment is that the best legacy we can pass on to our children is a life that revolves around and prioritizes Quran. Let our children see us read the Quran, cry with the book of Allah, get joyous with the book of Allah. Let them see our own personal mushaf torn and overused let them see us dedicate a solid time with Qur'an. Let them see us struggle if we are struggling to recite and to perfect our Qur'an. Let them see us attending Qur'an classes. Let them see us struggling to fix our tajweed. Let them see us making notes and studying tafsir. Because they will grow up before we know it. And they will have an example to follow. You and the Qur'an memories you gave them. And so the best legacy that we can pass to our children is a life that revolves around and prioritizes the Qur'an. 
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us this understanding and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those who turn to our deen, who turn to the Quran and who are those who remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ameen. Join us after the break inshallah as I will introduce you to our guest and also the questions that he'll be answering for us. Stay with us. Our guest on the program today is Salim Badad, a martial arts teacher for about 25 years. And he'll be talking to us about discipline with an Islamic perspective, understanding the importance of physical well-being for Muslims. On today's program, Brother Salim will be answering questions such as the importance of physical well-being in Islam, Understanding through the viewpoint of the seerah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what are some of the lessons of discipline that come to mind? Self-discipline and self-control and how these two are connected to each other. And Brother Salim will also be sharing with us more in terms of his experience as someone who's been in the martial arts field for 25 plus years. He'll be sharing with us more on how is it that martial arts, um, you know, teaches discipline. And in today's time and day and age, why is this so important of a skill that's needed? He'll also be addressing why it is that our lack, a youth often lack direction and purpose. I'll be passing over the mic to Brother Salim Badad, and we can now sit back, listen, and take away the gems that he has to share with us. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to all internalize. Ameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say Jazakallah for having me on, on uh, you know, your program and to discuss the importance of physical well-being for a Muslim. And I think this is a very, very important topic. I think before I, before I proceed, I'd like to just give you my background as a martial arts instructor. So I teach uh, few systems. Um, I teach uh, Wing Chun which is a close-range fighting system, combat system, um, developed by Ipman. This is a system Bruce Lee had actually studied in Hong Kong, Wing Chun, right? So it's a close-range fighting system, Chinese boxing system. The next one is I teach Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do. My teacher is Richard Bastillo, uh, who was an original student of Bruce Lee. Uh, uh, my teacher, Richard, was based in Los Angeles, California, and he was... Um, studied nine years with Bruce Lee. So he was actually first generation who studied nine years with Bruce Lee. So that's where my lineage come from. And I think it's important to have a lineage. Always ask and find out from instructors or people that teach martial arts, where are they drinking the water, so to speak. Um, you know, so it's very important with lineage, you know. Um, yeah, so that's my Jeet Kune Do. Uh, I teach also Eskrima, which is a Filipino martial arts, Filipino martial arts. Uh, which is a, it's a, in fact a complete system, but its emphasis is on impact weapons and bladed weapons. So impact could be a stick, bladed is your sword or is a knife. So that's my, my weapons curriculum comes from there. Yeah, and then I teach uh, to a very close group, Panchak Silat, which is a Malaysian form of martial arts. And my teacher was Professor Jack Osma. My Eskrima teacher is Yuli Romo, Stephen Roy Dedel. So these are my Eskrima teachers. So these are the four systems that I teach. So I have, I have classes for children, which I teach is a Jeet Kune Do concept, which is like an MMA based. It's, it's an all-round system with kickboxing, wrestling, 
eskrima, so that's what I teach children. Uh, I teach the same thing to adults. It's, it's, you know, obviously a separate class for adults. And then I teach um, seminars throughout the country. So schools host me sometimes to have different types of seminars. So I go throughout the country and I teach different seminars depending on what the school wants. So it can be anti-bullying, it can be a stranger danger, it can be, you know, all, all of these things. So I teach all of that too. And then there's a, my flagship seminar curriculum is something called Force Continuum. Force Continuum is a 16-hour seminar. 16 hours and it's over a seven, it's a seven day program. In Durban it's over four months, right? But if I had to go to, uh, uh, for 16 hours, if I had to go to uh, like Johannesburg or Cape Town, then it's over seven days. It's an intensive seven day program of 16 hours. Force continuum basically starts with, it's like a pyramid uh, with awareness being the bedrock of your awareness and you know common sense and logic being the bedrock of your uh, self-defense uh, pyramid. So with awareness, and then we move slightly up to less. Uh, so it starts from the least amount of force that you would require. So it starts with a non-lethal empty hand. So here we use chokes, restraining holds, and locks. Then we move on into non-lethal uh, empty hand, but it's now we've moved up the, the, the continuum. So we use strikes, punches, kicks. Then we move to non-lethal weapons. Non-lethal weapons are your... Um, uh, expandable batons, sticks, pepper spray, uh, you know, those type of things are non-lethal weapons where you stop the, where you need to stop the criminal or the aggressor to escape. And then, of course, right at the top, we have uh, the lethal weapons that I teach. It's uh, blades and guns, firearms. So with b b blades, I teach how to use a knife, how to draw a knife, uh, you know, and how to use it as a form of self-defense, how to defend against a knife also is very, very important. With guns, I teach you, if you how to, with gun, uh, I teach you uh, weapon retention. How, you know, weapon retention, I simulate it so we don't really go to the gun range. But if you need to go to a gun range, then I, then I arrange that separately, uh, a separate two hours out of this 16 hours. But with firearms, I teach you if you have how to, so we have training, training guns, uh, plastic guns, I show you how to, if you're holding it, how to restrain your firearm from someone taking it away from you. So, you know, so this is my um, martial arts background. Then there are some that already have a training group or are keen on sharing in their community. So they do an, an instructorship program with me, an intensive instructorship program. So this can be done either, uh, either via, uh, via Zoom, we can do it online or in person. So that's my martial arts background. And, and, and that's what I teach. So regarding my leadership program, my Islamic uh, tarbiyah or leadership program, so this is, I think, you know, this has been uh, a missing link for a lot of our youth, a lot of our youth. A lot of things that we address in our leadership program are not addressed either on the member, on the pulpit, or even in schools. A lot of stuff are not addressed, or even if they are addressed, it's not. Uh, it's addressed as a as a as a um, in passing, so to speak. So it's addressed in passing, and it's not uh, focused on. So in our leadership program, there's a few things we look at. What are the first? We have to ask, what are the challenges? What are the challenges of our of our youth? So the challenges are secularism, modernism, things that uh, they are. You know, the things like LGBT, uh, things like uh, 72 different genders, things like uh, 
um, Western form of feminism, things like uh, uh, nihilism. So all these are the things that affect the children. So where do they go and, how, and who do they ask uh, for, for guidance? I mean, who do they go to? So this is why I think it was very important to have this type of uh, leadership pro Islamic leadership program. In my leadership program, I have guests who are, who are, who are specialists in the areas. So if we speak of, or let's say we speak of, or even Islamic um, history, people don't know our Islamic history. We don't know, you know, we don't know, the, number one, we don't know the seerah of the Prophet properly. We don't know his, the, the, the four rightly guided uh, Khalifs and how they guided Islam. And we don't know how Islam spread to the Persians and the, uh, and the Romans. We don't know the spread of Islam. We don't know the Umayyad Empire. We don't know the Abbasid Empire. We don't know the Ottoman Empire. We don't know the, the, the Mughal Empire, uh, empires uh, or the Mongol empires that, uh, that converted to Islam and became the Mughals of India. We don't know the Muslim uh, occupation of Spain when the Berbers occupied Spain and how that became the stimulus towards the Renaissance in Europe. We don't know of the contributions that Muslims have made either in science or in astronomy or in geology or in marine life or in uh, psychology or in philosophy or in medicine. Or uh, We don't know of even, uh, even Khaldun as a, the greatest sociolo sociologist that, and he wrote the Muqaddimah. We don't know of the Muqaddimah. We don't know of Ibn Khaldun. We don't know of Ibn Sina. Uh, where he developed philosophy, Islamic philosophy. So there's so many things our youth don't know. So it's very important for us to understand the history. So I'll get scholars on each, on each subject matter where they specialize to come and address our youth. So this is very, very important. Then if we ask ourselves, what type of training do our youth get so that they become the leaders of tomorrow, so that they become part of governance? I mean, we have Ibrahim Rasul. I mean, how many Ibrahim Rasuls do we have? We don't have enough. I mean, Ibrahim Rasul came out of the MYM, Muslim Youth Training, Muslim Youth Movement, or he was inspired by that, but he was, I mean, we need people like that. How do we do that? We need to start training them. So if you look at this type of training, 30, 40 years ago, the MYM, Muslim Youth Movement, had a lot of these camps. Unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances, they stopped this youth program. Right, so so there's definitely a need now to recreate this type of youth program. So I'm based in Devon. So how it works is this youth program is once a month, three hours a month. This youth program where we will address different different uh, topics that you know different topics, and it's a three-hour program once a month. You know, so this is in Durban. But what's stopping us from doing this in Johannesburg or Cape Town? You know, we could do this in Joburg and Cape Town where I will, you know, get the, get the right people to come and address different topics. So this is very, very important, inshallah. So yeah, so this is our uh, Islamic leadership program. And yeah, Jazakallah. So that's it. So regarding the purpose, I mean, the, the topic for discussion is the purpose of physical well-being for a Muslim and why it's important. So that's the topic. So we need to understand that Allah Ta'ala has given us this body, our health as an amanat, as a trust. Allah has given it to us as, a, as, a, as an amanat. So if Allah has given it as an amanat, what are we doing to, 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 to take care of this health that Allah has given us, to take care of this body that Allah Ta'ala has given us? Unfortunately, we have uh, forgotten the sunnah. 
we have forgotten the sunnah of taking care of ourselves, to take, of taking care of our physical well-being, unfortunately. So we have not uh, fulfilled the amanat as such. You know, uh, because the Prophet ﷺ said, teach your children how to ride, how to swim, and how to shoot, so that they can protect themselves, they can protect society, and they can protect the environment. Now if, we look at, now if we look at our children, look at our children, how active are they? So only you can answer that, how active are our children? And if they're not active, then we need to get them active. And if you are not active as a parent, then you need to start getting active. That's very, very important. So we all need to understand that this is number one and amanat. And if you look at the seerah of the Prophet and you look at the seerah of how he lived with his companions, they were always active. They were always active in whatever they did. So we need to emulate this. So regarding the importance of self-defense training, first of all, we need to understand that everything stands at the uh, razor's edge of danger. Everything, everything. And it must be fought to protect. We have to be able to protect our deen, our life, our property, our family, our country, or even our personal safety. But we must be in a position of strength that we can protect if anything goes wrong. You know, and remember, the key to survival is confidence. And self-defense training is second to none when it comes to confidence and personal safety. I mean, look at Hazrat Umar. Hazrat Umar's army, as a prerequisite of entering his army, you needed to mount a horse in full gallop. Now, can you imagine how difficult that is? But that was it. And it was the same army that conquered the superpowers of the day. It conquered the Byzantine, the Roman Empire, and it conquered the Persians, the army of Umar. Now, if we look at our South African context, if we look at our youth, we look at our adults, and what we notice? We notice that we only embrace the sunnas that suit us, the sweet sunnas or the easy sunnas, but the sunnah of training hard, the sunnah of preparation, the sunnah of all of these things, you rarely find it. It's there, but you rarely find it amongst most people. That is the problem. Our youth, even us, We've become lazy and we've become slothful. That is the problem. And do you think that the Prophet would be happy to see our state? If he came today and he saw the youth, if he saw us in our masjids, out of shape, fat, out of shape, and then he saw that because we're out of shape and we don't train, then obviously we are not prepared. If anything goes wrong, we are not prepared. And we lack the courage. That is the problem because of lack of confidence. So when you have no lack of confidence, then you have no courage. Remember the Prophet said a strong Muslim is better than a weak Muslim. Although there is benefit in the weak Muslim, he said, but the strong Muslim is always better. This is his saying. Why do we not understand what he is saying? You know, and how do we protect ourselves, our family, our community, our country, our environment? If we are weak, that is my point. We need always to be in a position of strength and to follow the seerah of the Prophet. Remember, they used to wrestle, they used to, they used to ride, they used to wrestle, they used to shoot. They were always prepared and they were always ready. Now ask ourselves, are we ready? Are we ready? So in today's age, Martial arts teaches us to be alert in a way. You know, even if we're opening all the doors of our car, 
of our home, keeping an eye on the environment. And the important thing is not to be caught off guard. So Jeff Cooper developed the color coding system. Uh, regarding, so the color coding system, he speaks of the levels of awareness. So level white, he speaks of, and he refers it to, he, he refers to it as a victim state. A victim state is, um, okay, as an example, right? How many of us are guilty of this? We are at the robot, or we park there, the, the, the lights are red, and the windows are open, or even if the windows are closed, we are just not aware of who's behind us, who's next to us, who's around us. We're either busy on the phone, uh, you know, uh, and that's actually a victim state. And the criminal can see that you are not aware of him, and then he pounces on you. Either steals your phone or breaks the window, or if the window is open, he steals your phone or he snatches your bag. And then this is a common thing when people say, I didn't see him. He was there. He's not a ghost. He was there. But you were in a victim state. You were not aware of your surroundings. And that's very, very important. Never to be in a victim state. The next state is an or, like a color code orange. Color code orange is like a relaxed form of awareness. This is a very important state that most of us should be in. Uh, most of us should be in this color code orange. Why? In a relaxed state. So a relaxed state would be I'm walking down the street, I see a group of people, and I'm not sure of their intentions. So I cross the street, I go across the street, and I keep on walking so to avoid this group. The mere fact that I've observed them, I could take early action. I could take an early action to avoid it, to escalate it. So that's a relaxed state. Then the next state is a, is a red, it's a, it's a heightened state. So I walk across the road and I keep on walking, but I see that they've noticed me and they also walk across the road towards me. Now this is a state where I make a decision, fight or flight. This is where I realize, you know, things are escalating now. I either fight or I, or, or I flee, which you should be fleeing, of course. But it gives you that option, and you see it all coming. And this is very, very important. So we should understand all of these things, you know, uh, this heightened awareness. Now, if we look at the seerah of the Prophet, and we have to see martial arts discipline in today's age, we look at the seerah of the Prophet. The Prophet fought many, many wars. Some say close to 60, either actively or non-active, but he was part of, part of these wars. Now, where he had time to sit and do other things, I mean, of course he had time to do the important things, but my point is, he fought 60 wars, plus minus. So he was a prophet that was an active prophet, a proactive prophet. And this is very, very important for us to see. So if we look at our lives, or the lives of our youth especially, what are they doing? What are they doing? They follow all the fashions, the fads, the social media influences. Huh? And this does not enrich their lives in any way. So they follow all these wrong, wrong mentors, so to speak. You know, and, and then you look at these youth and you look at ourselves too and you ask ourselves, you know, in KZN we experienced these riots in KZN two years ago. The question is, we realize how unprepared we were. A lot of us were unprepared. And we just responded when the need arose. So it was like a knee-jerk reaction. So there was no preparation. So if you ask ourselves, from that time to now, we have time to prepare so that we are never caught off guard. How many of us are preparing? How many of us are training? That's what we need to ask ourselves. The prophet and the companions were always ready. They were always ready, irrespective if the Quraysh attacked them or whatever. They were always ready for them. So... We must remember that Allah, Allah has chosen us as his vice-jurant, as his representative in this world. 
And we should be steering the ship towards a new destiny and horizon. We should benefit mankind. We should take them and steer them to what, to what Allah Ta'ala expects of us to steer them. But if you look at, unfortunately, if you look at it, are we really steering the ship? No, we're not. We are just followers. We are imitators of the West. When I say West, I'm talking of the bad influence of the West. I'm not talking of the things that are good, because there's good also. But I'm talking, we are just imitators. We are consumers of everything and the producers of nothing. Absolutely nothing. Why? What has gone wrong? When Allah has given us this vice-gerency of making the world a better place for us that live in here and to, you know, to steer it in that way. But if you look at it, how many of us are actually doing that? If you look at the life of the Prophet and his discipline, I mean, he taught us, I mean, Salah, to read Salah in Jama'ah at a certain time is a form of discipline. So even, I mean, if you look at the daily life, his schedules from the time, from the morning, how he spent it, when the companions would gather around and he would spend it with them, and then when he'd spend time with his family, so then he'd spend time. So if you look at the whole life of the Prophet, it was scheduled, it was disciplined. So we need to discipline our lives. I mean, if you look at, I mean, as I mentioned, you look at the the, the, um, the army of Hazrat Umar, trained in the courtyard of the masjid, trained in the courtyard. So these are these are lessons that we need to understand and that we need to learn, and then we need to see how martial arts teaches discipline in today's age. It has to. It has to relate to how we live. Unfortunately, the youth do not understand their purpose, do not understand the purpose of their lives, unfortunately. So they follow uh, agendas and narratives of the West that runs contrary to Islam. And this is unfortunately a very bad, very, very bad situation we put in. Secularism has now attacked the Muslims from all fronts whether it's a materialistic philosophy of secularism, whether it's LGBT, whether it's Western feminism, whether it's running down the, the role of a mother, of a homemaker, uh, whether it's running down traditional values of family, of relationships. So there's a total onslaught on the Muslim Ummah. And unfortunately, youth don't know how to address it. See, to fight your enemy, you need to understand your enemy. To fight the devil, so to speak, you need to understand his agenda. And that is one of the reasons, alhamdulillah, there's youth camps and there's youth Islamic training programs will cover all of these things to equip our youth on how to confront all of this. You know, we need to, I mean, look at the Quran. We need to not only read the Quran, we need to understand the Quran. We need to read with understanding. If we, I, you know, I mean, look, if we don't understand, most of us don't understand Arabic, so read the Arabic because there's reward in reading that Arabic. Read it. But also next week, keep a English translation or transliteration, translation, so you, you understand what Allah is telling us. So, because Allah Ta'ala wrote a, a letter to us because He loves us. And He wrote this message. What is the message? Allah has, wrote, Allah has written in the Qur'an what the purpose of our existence is. What is the purpose of our life? Why has He put us here? So if the youth understand the Qur'an, they will understand their purpose. Because youth really don't know their purpose. You know, I do life coaching as well, so Alhamdulillah, I'm a life coach. 
besides being a martial arts instructor and leading these uh, camps, I'm also a life coach to, to both adults and the youth. And I realize that most of them do not understand their purpose. So the Quran and Islam and the life of the Prophet and the roles that he played showed us the purpose of our life. I mean, not only was he a father, a husband, a merchant, a guide, a warrior, it all encapsulated not only discipline, but the purpose of our life and how we should live. So youth don't understand that. I mean, they don't even understand why was I created. Well, we were created, number one is to worship Allah. And Tawheed is the bedrock. I mean, I mean, I mean it's a bedrock. Sorry, the bedrock. Tawheed, oneness of Allah. But what does oneness of Allah actually mean? Because we know what oneness means of Allah. Is one, but what are the implications of that? Why is it that when he came, the Prophet ﷺ came to the Quraysh and he told them to worship one Allah, and they and they fought him to the bitter end. So you need to ask, why did they fight him to the bitter end? What did they understand when he was calling them to oneness of Allah? What was their understanding? What was Rasulullah message when he was telling them worship Allah? What did it mean? Do we understand that? Do we un why did they fight him so much? One, when Abu Sufyan was asked by the king of Ethiopia, why don't you accept this man? He says, well, he's a truthful man, then the, uh, and he vouched for the character of the Prophet Then the king is asking him, but why didn't you? Why didn't you accept or why don't you accept? Then he said, what does he expect the, the slave and I to be one, to be equal? So Tawheed, the, what are the implications of Tawheed is universality, brotherhood of man, that all are equal. That's one aspect. But there are other implications of Tawheed. So people don't understand that. So perfection of self to lead mankind, to stand up for justice, the youth need to understand and the Muslims need to understand that Allah Ta'ala is talking in the Quran constantly about the importance of justice and speaking truth to power. Islam is a life of activism. The Prophet was active in speaking truth to power. We as Muslims, are we active when we see a wrong, when we see an injustice, when we see a tyrant ruler, when we, are we, I mean, if, I mean, think about it. How active are we? You know? And unfortunately, because we don't understand the message of the Quran, the Muslims fell, or, or the Muslim Ummah went to sleep. And, you know, as I mentioned before, we become consumers of everything and producers of nothing. And yet we were the ones who inspired Europe in the Renaissance. So we've lost our way. And the answer is to come back, come back to the message of what Allah, Allah is asking of us. We are so in need of chivalry in our society so that our women folk are protected and safe. Men are called to be truthful, loyal, courteous to others, helpmates to women, supporters of justice and defenders of the weak. And remember, chivalry is part of our fitra. They attract us with a sense of nostalgia because it is part of us. They give purpose and meaning to male strength. And if you look at Islamic chivalry, it's found in the tradition, the Prophet in his sunnah. There was actually a culture of chivalry and courtesy consciously woven into nearly every aspect of their day and night. There is definitely uh, an emphasis on struggling for purity and perfection of the self. I mean, the youth, 
are called, and this is very, very important, like even in, our, in, the, in the training program that I do, the, the, the men are called to be mindful, to be kind, to be courageous, to be strong, to be brave, to be gentle, to be polite, to be well-mannered, to be supporters of justice, to help, to be helpmates to women, to look at women with respect, to be defenders of the weak. This is so important and this is what is lacking. These are not taught in our schools. You know, and it is not spoken enough. You know, you know, it's not spoken enough to our Muslim youth. These are all, all important things. I mean, if you look at, um, if you look at the West, they are emasculating the men. They are emasculating the men. They are teaching them not to be men. Unfortunately, and a lot of this male strength, they call it toxic masculinity. Toxic. So there's a definite. Uh, there's definitely a. Um, an attack on patriarchy. Therefore, we want men to strive for the status of self-made knights, standing up for justice, and courageous enough to exemplify and speak out for virtue without apology, without cleverness, and most of all, without ulterior motives. We want men to be men. We want young boys to grow up to be the leaders of society. And my advice to the boys, this is my parting advice to the boys and the girls. Be conscious of what you are watching on social media. Remember, what you are watching can pollute your mind. And the pollution of mind can lead to decadence of the individual, of the family, of the surroundings, of society. Be, always be aware that Allah is watching you. So be careful. You are your own policeman. Be careful of what you watch. Girls. Don't put yourself out on social media. Why do you want the whole world to watch you? Allah has made you so special and has given you the blanket of modesty and sharam and haya. Take care of your sharam. Take care of your haya. Don't put yourself out on Instagram and on Facebook and all these things. So that's very, very important. And, and that is my message to, to, to the youth. So boys, remember what it is to be a man. You know, this is what the Sunnah was calling. This is what the Quran. I mean, if you look at, <laughs> if you look at now, look at Hamas. That's, if you look at them and how they're fighting against all odds, and Hezbollah, who's assisting them, and the axis of resistance, and Yemen, and you look at all of this. These are the men we should be exemplifying. The men of today. This is what we need to be. So, Jazakallah. I think uh, parents, uh, remember, uh, share time with your children. Time is very precious, and they grow up so fast. Sit with your children, talk to your children, talk to your children, very important. If they're not gonna get lessons from you, then they're gonna get it from half-baked lessons from their friends. So be their friend. At the same time, they must understand you are their father. That's important. So sometimes when you say, be their friend, but then, we, but then they lose respect of who the father is, or who the mother is. Be the father. Be the, they, want, they want a father and a mother, but someone they can approach and talk to. So there's two extremes. One is you don't approach them at all and you don't talk to them. The other extreme, you become their friend, so there's no respect. <laughs> so always the middle ground. Listen to your children when they talk. Sit with them non-judgmental and listen to them and, and give them proper nasiya. Okay, so if you want to get hold of me, uh, my name is uh, obviously, you know, it's Salim Badat, and my number is 081 
081-711-9425. So yeah, if there's anything you want to know, if there's any advice you want to seek, if you want to join our programs, our, our, our leadership program, our martial arts program, even life coaching, so inshallah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. And with that, we thank our esteemed guests on today's program for taking our time to answer and address these very important, relevant questions. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this a means of us taking cause of direction and um, implementing from this beautiful wisdom in our lives, inshallah. That brings us to the close of this week's edition of the program. Do join us next week as we continue reviving our faith and reviving our understanding of applying our faith, inshallah. May Allah grant us barakah in it. And until next week, Jazakumullah khairan for joining us. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.